0: Hey, Real Life Church, happy holidays a few days ahead of time. God bless you all. Uh, glad you uh, glad for all of you who joined us at A Taste of Glendora and enjoyed that celebration a couple weeks ago. We had 20 different restaurants providing free samples of food, live music, and a big party here on campus. And lots of you brought friends along. So I appreciate you being an inviting church and taking part in the great parties that we like to throw here. Uh, we... Uh, We are uh, in the middle of a a series uh, now on uh, Christmas, leading into the Christmas season, Uh, and I want to share another message from the Gospel of John. If you tuned in last week and you heard Pastor Jose preach from John chapter 1, he and I did not compare notes ahead of time, but I had planned a sermon today from John chapter 3. So Jesus has us in the Gospel of John this Christmas, and uh, we're going to continue reading uh, in John chapter 3 and some of the most famous passages in the scriptures about Jesus uh, coming. Um, as we uh, as we head into the Christmas season, as we're in it now, as we get close to Christmas, maybe be praying about that person in your life uh, whom you love, who's just sitting and waiting to be invited into the family of faith. Uh, I know I was uh, serving in our food pantry here at Real Life a week ago, and a, a new guest came and was helping to serve, had never been to our church, and we we're talking about pantries. It was her first time serving in a pantry, uh, and I said, hey, have you, have you, ever, do you have a church? And she said, no. So I invited her to our Christmas Eve services. So just keep an eye out. There's, there's so many people out there right now, just, just waiting for somebody to invite them who are saying, I'd go to church if somebody would invite me. I have Christian friends, but nobody's invited me. And Christmas Eve services are such a, a beautiful and easy invite. You can check out reallife.la. If you want to know the times and uh, details of our services, you should check those out so you know when they are. Um, cause it's on, it's not on the, Christmas Eve. It's on Christmas Eve Eve, and uh, you want to make sure you get all those details before you hand out invitations. But uh, be thinking and praying about that, because there are a lot of people out there just waiting for waiting for an ask. Um, and speaking of ask here, as we approach the end of the year, the church is in good shape. You have, all have been uh, financially generous this year and gracious this year. Uh, we just have one big project that we need to do, and it's scheduled to begin next week. We have to rewire our entire campus because this is a, an older building and some of the electrical wiring is original to the building and it all needs to be updated. And so we're gonna update that uh, for safety's sake as we approach the end of the year. So I know some people wait till the end of the year to do their, their financial charitable giving. Uh, please consider Real Life Church in your year-end giving. Uh, prayerfully consider us, and you can think of it as giving the church a Christmas present because we need uh, we need some new uh, wires to keep the lights on, and that could be uh, your contribution to our Christmas present here at year-end. All gifts are tax-deductible. Uh, that's all the news. But let's uh, let's pray, and then we're going to get into our study of John chapter three. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you that you love us and that you call us to be the church and you call us to faith and you call us to life with you. Uh, We want to know you more and we want to draw close to you. Uh, We want to walk through life with you. We want to turn to you when things are hard. We want to share with you when we're happy, when things are in good shape. Uh, We just want to be surrounded by your spirit. So Jesus, we invite you in. Open our hearts to your word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. All let right, right. Uh, we're going to get into um, in John chapter 3. And I'm going to read to you uh, the most famous verse in the Gospels, followed by the most ignored verse in the Gospels. Okay, here they are. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Most quoted verse in all of scripture, followed by the most ignored verse of all of scripture. And I call verse 17 the most ignored verse of all of scripture. God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Because there's so many people out there who get excited about God when they're mad at the world. And they think, I want to condemn the world, and I want a God who's going to condemn the world with me, because the world's a mess. And I'm mad at the world, and I'm hurt by the world, and I want God to get even for me. But God didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Jesus' birth is an arrival of a certain kind. There are different kinds of arrivals. And Jesus' birth is an arrival of a certain kind. Let me tell you the kind of arrival that it's not. I remember when I was in second grade, there was a time where I was in second grade and the parents would circle into the classroom to be class helpers. And when your mom came to be a class helper for the day, it was exciting because in second grade, it's still cool to have your mom show up and meet your friends. And so I was in second grade and my mom was gonna be the class helper for the day and I was excited. Uh, and uh, there was this moment just before before my mom came in the classroom. I can't remember how I got to the classroom before she did, but she wasn't there yet, and we were getting ready to to have class, and we were hanging up our coats, and I was kind of messing around with one of the other boys in the class, and the teacher said, you all need to come over here, Uh, and I heard her, and being a dutiful oldest child, I wanted to follow the rules, but my friend was still messing around with me, and he grabbed my arm And he was pulling me, and I was like, We need to go over there, let go. And the teacher said, I'm gonna count down from three. And I turned to him and I was like, Let go, the countdown has begun. Said, three, two, one. And we didn't get back in time, and so she put us on timeout. And I had to sit down at a desk and put my head down on the desk, because that was the punishment back then. I don't know why resting was a punishment, but that was the punishment. And so, right as I sit there feeling guilty, because I got caught for goofing around, My mom showed up, walked in the room and looked at me like, uh, and I felt so bad because I had been caught. Well, a lot of people feel like if God showed up, that's the kind of arrival it would be. People feel like I'm already in trouble. The last thing I want is for the big guy to come and catch me. In fact, at our Taste of Glendora, uh, I met a, a new person, a new guest to our church that one of you brought. And I heard one of you invite him and say, hey, now that you've come to A Taste of Glendora, you should come back on a Sunday and see our worship services, which is exactly the right thing to do. And this new guest said, I'd come back, but I'm afraid if I did, I would spontaneously combust. <laughs> and some people are worried that if, if God showed up, they'd be in trouble. They think they're already in trouble. And the last thing they want is for God to show up and catch them. Listen, if you've grown up in a a religious tradition that manipulated you with guilt, or if you had a religious relative who was as manipulative as they were religious and they tried to make you feel guilty, you you might feel like you don't wanna see God. You might feel like that would be the worst possible thing if the big guy showed up. That's one kind of arrival. And some people are afraid if God arrives, that's the kind of arrival it's going to be. But now imagine a second kind of arrival. Imagine a different kind of arrival. Imagine you're in bed at night. You're going to sleep. And you hear a pounding on the front door. And it's loud. And someone's yelling. And you think, oh, no, my house is under attack. What's going on? And you work your way to the front door. And outside is not a, a criminal, but a fireman. And the fireman tells you that the house down the street is on fire and the neighborhood isn't safe. And he's here to get you out before you're in any worse danger. Well, now that's an arrival of a a very different kind. He's arriving there because you were in trouble, not to find out that you're in trouble. He already knew that. He knew more about your situation than you did. And he's shown up because he already knew you were in trouble, and, and he doesn't want to punish you. He wants to save you. That's the arrival described in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that whoever believed in him wouldn't perish, but would have eternal life. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. That's the kind of arrival this is. The most famous verse in all of scriptures followed by the most ignored verse of all of scriptures. And now it goes on. Uh, verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Now, notice the passive voice uh, here. They stand condemned already. They're they're in a state of condemnation. The focus here is not on God condemning them, but them being in a state of condemnation. It's like if you get dirt on your hands, your hands are dirty. And they're not dirty because someone calls them dirty or someone scolds you for being dirty, that's just the state that they are in. They are in a state of dirtiness. Until you wash it off, they have dirt on them. And the message of the scriptures is, that's the state of our souls. Our souls are born into a state of dirtiness, not because of our choices and not because of God's condemnation, but because the world is broken. We are born into a state of sin. Sin is not a string of bad behaviors that we do. It's a state that we're born into. It's like a, a, a car that rolls off the, the factory line already made wrong so it won't run. That's, that's the state of our souls. We're born in a state of dirtiness. And those who have not yet been saved are, are just in that state. We're already in trouble. The house down the street is already on fire. Um, it's, like, it's, it's like the way you find your cat. Uh, there's, there's a real difference between cat owners and dog owners. Dog owners, if you ask them, how did you get your dog? They say, oh, we went, we looked at all kinds of kennels, we looked at all kinds of rescue dogs, we interviewed the owners, we chose the one, we filled out paperwork and we adopted him. If you ask cat owners, how did you get your cat? They say, oh, we found him in the trash can. Uh, and that's almost how we got the cat at our house, Mau Mau, this is how we got Mau Mau. Um, my kids had wanted a cat and I kept saying, no, I'm allergic and I don't, I don't want a cat in the house. And then I started watching Instagram videos of cute little kittens, you know, stupid Instagram and the, oh, they, they're kind of cute. And so I basically prayed. I said, God, if, if we're going to get a cat, it has to show up on the doorstep. I am not paying for it and it needs to be a kitten, not a cat because they're kind of cute. So I want a little tiny kitten. So I figured uh, that's it. I, you know, I'm not going to have to deal with this now. One morning, I wake up at 5.30 a.m., and I can hear a cat. And I go and open the front door, and I look around, and I, I can't see it anywhere. And my next-door neighbor, who's an early riser, is already out in his front yard working on his car or whatever. And he sees me 5.30 a.m. looking around. He says, what are you doing? And I said, I hear a cat out here, but I can't see it anywhere. And he said, open the hood of your car on the driveway. So I open up the co- uh, the hood. And there, trying to stay warm overnight on the engine block, was a tiny little kitten, which was free. I didn't have to pay for it. It was already there. And I decided at that minute that that was our cat. Now, the cat had made no such decision. And what ensued was a mad chase. The cat was terrified at the light and dropped down through the car and began to run away. And I chased it, and it ran, and it hissed at me, and it clawed at me, and the neighbor went and got some gloves, and I finally grabbed it and dragged the little rodent into the house, which it now rules. She sleeps in whatever bed she wants, she wakes us up at her convenience, and she sits in the front window and glares at the neighbors on the other side condescendingly because I think she knows they go to the Baptist church instead of our church. And that's how you get a cat. Now, that's not a long-winded tangent. That's a pretty good description of how John views the state of our souls. We are in a state of lostness, surviving however we can, trying to stay warm in a cold world. And when God arrives, it's like light flooding into a place of darkness, which at first is honestly terrifying. We are not prepared for it. And it feels like we're in trouble. But his heart for us is a heart to save us, not to condemn us. He, he actually wants to take us in and spoil us a little bit to give us the keys to the house. When God shows up and his, his light floods in, we are already in a state of condemnation. He wants to bring us in the home and make us his own. The house down the street is already on fire. He wants to rescue us from the state we're already in and bring us to a place where we are no longer condemned. C.S. Lewis, the great theologian uh, and Cambridge professor, describes God's incarnation, God coming in the flesh, With a a beautiful metaphor of a diver sinking down into the deep and cold depths of the sea to rescue a precious treasure that's been lost there. He says it this way The central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. Incarnation is in the flesh. Carne is uh, the Latin for, for flesh. God came in a body in Jesus Christ. They say that God became man. In the Christian story, God descends to re-ascend, he comes down to go up. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature he has created. But he goes down to come up again and bring the ruined world up with him. One may think of a diver first reducing himself to nakedness, then glancing in midair, then gone with a splash. Vanished, rushing down through green and warm water into black and cold water, down through increasing pressure into the death-like region of ooze and slime and old decay. Then up again, back to color and light, his lungs almost bursting, Till suddenly he breaks the surface again, holding in his hand the dripping, precious thing that he went down to recover. He and it are both colored now that they have come up into the light. Down below, where it lay colorless in the dark, he lost his color too. When we talk about Jesus arriving, God in the flesh, God in man in Jesus. We're not talking about a God who's weighing the scales to see whether or not he loves us. He's not weighing the scales to see whether or not we've good enough, we're good enough to earn his favor. The scales have already tipped entirely in our favor. He came not to condemn us, but to save us. The scales have already tipped because his heart is entirely for us. The arrival that we celebrate in the incarnation is a gift. John continues in verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Uh, remember, we, we just uh, read through the book of 1 John together as a church, and John likes to repeat phrases and words over and over again, and just change them a little bit each time. And if you will remember, I compared this to a, a, a coffee connoisseur sipping the coffee and tasting different flavors each time. Oh, I, you know, I sent some berry in this. Now I sent some citrus in this. Now I sent some chocolate in this. And this is what John is doing. He's repeating phrases and words in slightly different ways each time so that he can savor uh, the the theology that he's expressing. Uh, Light came, but people loved darkness. People were embarrassed, so they feared the light. But if you live in the truth, you live in the light, and you don't care who sees, even God. The the, um, fascinating word in this passage is the word verdict, right? Here in the beginning in verse 19, this is the verdict. The The Greek root for verdict is the same root for the word for condemnation. And the Greek is actually chrisis, which is the basis for our word crisis, because a crisis is a fundamental decision at a fork in the road, where once you make that turn one way or the other, you, you can't choose the other one. And, and what's happening in the birth of Jesus is a crisis, a decision that we have to make. We will either turn into the light and live in the light. Or we will continue to spend what days we have left skirting around looking for shadows in which to hide. That is the, the fundamental crisis that all people face as a result of the incarnation. At Christmas, the light has already been turned on. We are all exposed we can choose to live in the light or we can choose to hide in hide in the darkness but hiding will not save us we're already in a state of dirtiness the house down the street is already on fire the hood has now been lifted and we have we have already uh, been lost in ooze and slime and old decay the question at this fork in the road is what do we do at this point of crisis? We can let him adopt us and take us in the house and wash us clean. We can let him uh, rescue us from the fire that's coming. We can let him scoop us up and lift us out of the ooze and slime and old decay. But the arrival is not one of a disciplinarian. It's of a fireman. It's of the the lifeguard rescuing the one in the water. It's the parent waiting to adopt the lost child who needs to be taken in. The question goes to us, what are you gonna do at this point of crisis? If you've, if you've never turned to Jesus before, that is the best Christmas gift we can give him. In this, in this season of, of cold and dark, to turn towards the light, To say, Jesus, I can't do life without you. And I need you to walk in front of me. I need you to lead the way. And then to make that a a practice of daily habit, where we don't just commit to Jesus once and assume everything's taken care of and then see what we can get away with the rest of our lives. But rather, we spend each day turning back to Jesus again and saying, today belongs to you. And I want to live life with you. I want to live a prayerful life. I want to live a life obedient to the teachings of Jesus. Jesus, remind me each day to be faithful to you. And as we do that, I think the experience just grows deeper and more rich as we go. I've started a, a spiritual discipline recently that's that's new to me. Um, and I don't know how I stumbled across it. Uh, but this is what I do now. You know how during the day, you'll have various um, sort of wonderings and daydreams. You'll... Go back and review a conversation you had with somebody else and think I should have said this or I should have said that. Or you'll go back over distant memories and uh, maybe even wonder why am I remembering that. Or you'll you'll think forward to some adventure you plan on having in the future and fantasize about what the future looks like. These thoughts run through our heads all day long. Well, I've started using that as a foundation for prayer. And during the day, as various thoughts come to mind, I try to take all of my thoughts captive. And I stop and I think, now, Jesus, why am I thinking about that? If a person comes to mind, I think, Jesus, um, will you bless that person today? Or if it's somebody I was mad at one time, I think, Jesus, will you give me a heart of forgiveness so that I can treat them the way that you would treat them? And the more I do this, the more I let Jesus engage my every thought. If you imagine, your thought life planted, plastered on a, a billboard on the side of the freeway or blasted through a megaphone for everybody to hear. Think about wh- what you would want that to be because Jesus already sees and knows our every thought. So, so maybe if you've been following Jesus for a while now, it's time to take a step into something deeper and start, start inviting Jesus into your everyday thought life. And as thoughts drift through your mind all day long, make them part of a conversation with Jesus. Jesus, what do you wanna tell me about these thoughts? What do you wanna tell me about these memories? How is your love working healing in my thoughts and in my memories? Because at the end of the day, as we follow Jesus, we're following the God who just wants to rescue us. Nothing is hidden from his sight. Nothing stays in the dark. As you drive around in this Christmas season, as you look at all the beautiful Christmas lights, remember that we are a people headed increasingly towards living life entirely in the light. And that's the message of John for today. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for calling us out of darkness into the light. Thank you from. Thank you for uh, rescuing us uh, from the dirtiness into which we're born, the lostness in which we find ourselves. Thank you for giving us purpose and direction and meaning. Jesus, give us deeper and richer experiences of your spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. God bless you. Go be the church. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.